Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, per Dennis Dodd, at least six college basketball programs will be notified of major NCAA violations by this summer, presumably within the next couple of weeks. Uh, the schools we've heard mentioned the most in these FBI probes are Arizona, Kansas, and LSU. So, so let's work in hypotheticals and assume LSU gets a notice of allegations next week. Will Wade is done, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this, what, about a month ago when Trend and Watch was at DEFCON 1. <laughs> it was mind-blowing, especially in hindsight. You know, everyone's a genius in hindsight, but you could have been a genius in the moment if you're Joe Avila on your way out. Why the hell are you going to reinstate him when he's the focal point of a freaking federal investigation? Just like, oh, reinstatement? Yeah, that's like a statute of limitations. We can't touch him now. Well, I have a feeling there's, uh, there's going to be a little bit of a shock here in the near future. So I've always been told it's, it's lazy to work in hypotheticals, but, but sometimes it's fun to be lazy. So and you may pick up on where I'm going with this. So we'll assume LSU is one of those six schools. <laughs> pretty, probably a pretty safe assumption. We will also assume Will Wade is fired if they are. Brad, there was a certain McDonald's All-American from Mountain Brook that just signed with LSU, Trenton Watford, he dropped LSU from his list completely during the recruiting process when it looked like Will Wade would not be back. So Wade was reinstated and LSU was back as his leader immediately. So clearly the draw to me, the, the draw to LSU for Trenton Watford was playing for Will Wade. Does well, that the having Wat- him as his financial advisor. <laughs> yeah. Does the Watford and Alabama saga drag on even longer if this comes to fruition? If Nate Oates is what he's shown so far, yes. And I, we talking about hypotheticals, it's dangerous at times to live in that, yes. But I'll guarantee you there's a whiteboard still somewhere within Coleman or the Malmore building that has a trend and watch on it. And they have all these different – it's like a pie chart, and they have all these different little scenarios and the percentages of it. And you know they had a plan for this to happen. And if this does happen – there is going to be somebody else uh, who may be packing bags too. Yeah, yeah. Now, keep in mind, Alabama got a commitment from former McDonald's All-American Javon Quinterly, and so they filled all of their allotted scholarship spots. So Nada Hoots would have to be prepared to maybe influence someone to transfer or to, <laughs> to open up a spot. Are you in favor of that? Like, or, or do you move on from Watford completely and let him go elsewhere without any fight? Like, what, what would you do? Uh I mean, it's almost like sales in a sense when you, you know, you thought you had a client landed, they burned you, and then they come back because they got burnt, and you knew they were going to. You tried to warn them. I would entertain it one last time, but if they're not serious about it, I would not spend any more time when I can go somewhere else and make this money. No pun intended for trending. Um, You have to. With a guy with this potential and this ceiling, you know, you have to consider it. But at the end of the day, I would not waste this much time on this type of drama queen because, I mean, honestly, that's what it's been. Yeah, and look, look, college sports are harsh. It's a business. Either you win or you lose your job. So if I'm Nate Oates, I recruit him again. And I'm I'm fully prepared to tell my 13th best player to look elsewhere, as bad as that may sound. Well, I mean, he should be prepared for it based on the conditioning he's been going through anyways. So I would say with Trendon, though, you just I wouldn't invest much more time than what I have been mm-hmm. and – I, I think the, it's a hell of a reality check for him. I, honestly, I think he's going to be humbled from this. And I think uh, 
you know, he's going to realize what's the best option, and it is here. I mean, my God, you, you want talent around you. Look what he's doing. And it may be a, quote, mutual decision, a la Tevin Mack, for, uh, you know, one of these bigs on the team to make room for him if that, you know, is indeed a chance. Because you have to do it. If, if there is – if he is willing, if Trenton's willing to do it, you have to do it. There's no excuse. Yeah, the next couple of weeks are going to be a lot of fun uh, when this report comes out. When, when these notices of allegations drop at each six of these schools, some players are going to be – they're going to be gone. They're out of there. So <laughs> Coaches and ADs too. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a huge fallout uh, because apparently these, are, these allegations are not small. So, well, well, see, if, I, if I'm Will Wade, here's what I do. If you know you're just screwed, mm-hmm. I would go ahead and turn myself into the federal penitentiary, start serving <laughs> six years, because by the time you get out, they probably still haven't finished the damn investigation and put the sanctions in place anyway. So sh- you're good for time served. <laughs> All right, Brad. The other Brad, Brad Bohannon, and the baseball team got some pretty significant news on Thursday with the signing of right-handed pitcher Gavin Collier. Collier, Brad, was the 125th ranked prospect in the MLB draft. He was drafted in the 12th round by the Texas Rangers. He was committed to Clemson, and on Thursday, he decided to decommit from Clemson. He told the Texas Rangers no thank you, and he signed with Coach Bo in Alabama. Yep, he must have uh, he must have heard that old Osama Bin Dabo quote. Uh, got a little scared and took that slide <laughs> right out of that building and came on down to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I, and I know this has been beaten to death, and we're going to go off track here. But imagine if Nick Saban had said that. Thank you. Do you remember when he made the nine eleven reference in like two thousand eight, maybe? No. Okay. Well, Nick Saban made a nine eleven reference at a press conference. Why did somebody ask him the time? Oh, like... God, I can't remember the context. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember how it came out, but it was. It was harmless. I mean, and, just look what they did with the damn Jonathan Taylor stuff. They got proven to be dropped anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, the one of the, there's like five things you don't try to make a dark joke about or, or anything. <laughs> I would think the most significant event outside of something that happened in 1776 in U.S. history is that other thing you don't do. Yeah. But it's fine. Dabo is that anointed positivity support figure within college football to kill the dynasty so i mean i get it but my god saving would have had to step down uh, had he <laughs> said that there's no doubt about it yeah it was almost like you had this small sector of people in the corner like screaming you probably shouldn't say that yeah <laughs> but it is what it is uh yeah no, just another reminder never dabbo <laughs> all right well back back to baseball and coach Bo. i think this is just kind of further proof that the baseball team's on an upward trajectory and i hope I was thinking about this. I hope people realize what bad shape Greg Goff left the program in. And if you're paying attention, you know they've already been they've already made these steady improvements. And if you are patient with Brad Bohannon, it will pay off. Yeah, it's like Purdue doesn't pay attention to anything. <laughs> um, which side note, if you don't know, today Purdue baseball announced hiring of Greg Goff as the new head coach of their program. And our thoughts and prayers go out to Indiana. Uh, so, yeah. with that being said, yes. You know, I mean, I've said it numerous times. Of all the Brads in the world, I mean, it's just incredible. And to get a guy, because if you don't understand how deep the MLB draft is, not only round-wise, but talent-wise, do yourself a favor, take a look at the draft that just transpired. A 12th round pick is not, in comparison to the NFL, as being like a 6th round pick. 
No, a 12th round pick is still pretty damn good talent. And to get him to turn down a pretty good contract and also tell Dabo no, and then come here, you know, and I know it's not Dabo, but still, um, that's, it's a great haul. I mean, I think if you're a good baseball player and you think this through, you see the potential on the horizon with this team. And the problem is there's a lot of people that just look at the wins and losses Mm -hmm. and they don't see what is being built around that because they've been so programmed with the last few coaches we've had to just look at the wins and losses because you don't want to look at anything else. Yeah, and actually Collier went later in the draft than than he was ranked. He's ranked 125th overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he was more so determined to go to college, so he fell some in the draft. So he fell to the 12th round, where he, yeah. where he was more so a, a third third or fourth round talent. So Yeah, they probably is, vetted him pretty good during the interview process and yeah. figured out which way he was going. Yeah, I mean, and there are a lot of kids like that, like uh, Al Leiter's son, that Al Leiter who played for the Yankees. His son is one of the top. He was one of the top prospects in the country, and was probably projected to be one of the top five or ten draft picks. But he was pretty adamant about going to Vanderbilt. Like he told clubs up front, "Hey, I am not signing with you. Don't draft me." So of course, some team ended up drafting him later. You know, later in the draft. But, of course, he signed with Vanderbilt. So, you know there are a lot of cases like that. Look, it's a tangent. But you know who got drafted by my Red Sox? Who's that? Uh, he plays quarterback in the SEC. Freaking Felipe Franks got drafted by the Red Sox. I forgot he played baseball. Yeah, he was a big-time uh, – he was a big baseball prospect out of high school. I mean, what the hell? What? <laughs> John Henry – in the ownership, I got questions now. My God, <laughs> Felipe <laughs> Franks. Okay, yeah, Boston's going to accept Scientology. Okay, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, hey, he's good. as long as he throws a baseball better than he throws a football. Well, I mean, the good thing is, is if somebody else catches it, it's still your team. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after this. All right, Brad. Before we dive into the football team and the the commitments that they got over the past couple of weeks. We did want to to send a shout out, uh, some thoughts and prayers out to Walt Gary and his family. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Walt Gary was a pretty significant part of the football program who who just recently passed away. Yeah, I'd like to think Walt and his just amazing personality is up there right now, shooting the crap with Bart Starr and uh, probably hanging out again with Coach Stalin's son as well. Side so, note: uh, did, did you see? the uh the video that Jalen Hurts posted with Walt Gary. Yep. That uh God, I mean, I already tear up with anything with Jalen. So Yeah. Uh, that was that was tough. It was so touching. Yeah, it's it just seems so genuine from both Jalen and Walt Gary. Uh it, just like before every single game and his his score predictions and everything. It just seemed like they had they had kind of a, a bond built. Yeah, and you, you saw every time Saban, at the tick of the uh, the minute that he's supposed to be out of the building, he would still stop and spend that time. You could see very briefly, like the Wizard of Oz, the, the guy behind the green curtain, you could see that veil open just a little bit and see Nick Saban's true persona come out. For sure. So, uh, since our last episode, Brad, the football program ha- has done well for itself, landing three commitments from uh, Damian George, Quandarius Robinson, and Demoy Kennedy. Robinson's a top 50 player in the country. He's the top overall player in the state of Alabama, fifth-ranked outside linebacker in the country. Demoy Kennedy is the second-ranked player in the state of Alabama behind Robinson. Top 100 in the nation, third-ranked overall inside linebacker. Brad, one of the best parts about this is, 
is that both of these guys, the top two players in the state of Alabama, according to 24-7 Sports, were once committed to the Auburn Tigers. You just hate to see it. I mean, you really, you really do. And then, you know, and they they both play defense, right? Yeah. They both play linebacker, right? Correct. I want to go back and hope that history does not repeat itself and think of uh, one of the two guys that were committed to the Auburn Tigers. So you had Matt Wilson and Mr. Ben, you know, Davis. <laughs> um, just to build on that, Nick Saban now has commitments from the top four players in the state and six of the top eight. Auburn's highest ranked commitment in the state is J.J. Evans, who's seventh. So they are nearly getting shut out in their own state. Well, I think Coach Saban heard Justin Ross's comments pretty damn clear. And if <laughs> we uh, we know anything, he's going to try his best not to repeat the same mistake twice, and hopefully Sarkeesian, and also not landing the top player in the state are those things he does not do again. Yeah, and, and things are not going well for uh, Gus, the 23rd-ranked class in the country right now, ninth in the SEC only two Auburn commitments are ranked inside of the top 300 players in the nation. It's weird. It's almost like they had to take the money allocated for certain things and put it <laughs> in a savings for something else. <laughs> to the contrary, Alabama sits at second in the nation with 20 commitments in June. So you have to think, Brad, a couple of guys are going to be told to look elsewhere. It's really hard for me to imagine Alabama only taking six or so more commitments in the next eight months, with the especially with the big names that they're in on. Yeah, but, I mean, if they don't try to, let's say, encourage you elsewhere, if you're not on board leading into December when it's time to shine, mm-hmm. what the hell are you doing? I mean, you're gone. You're going to find something else to do, that's for sure. But Saban proved it last year after the 17 cycle. He's proven it again this year. He means business. He ain't done yet. Yeah, I think the only ones that, that maybe get a – get a pass for that the early cycle as a guy like Chris Braswell or something like that, like maybe the really, really highly ranked guys. But if you're middle of the pack, lower ranked in the class, and you aren't all in by the early signing period, I have a feeling you're you're out. That decision is going to be made for you. Yeah, I'm just happy Clemson left us some scraps in our mm-hmm. own state. So mm-hmm. that was nice. Uh, got the top player this year. So I, I do appreciate their uh, their empathy. Uh, the out-of-state commitment, Brad, was really in, uh, really maybe the most interesting commitment uh, with offensive lineman Damian George from Houston. He's a, he's a small guy, 6'6 six, six and a half, 348 pounds. <laughs> small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He he's not he's not over overly like highly ranked. He's a three star, four hundred thirty eighth ranked prospect in the country, but he's a guy the staff has liked for a while. And by the way, it doesn't hurt that his teammate and best friend is Zach Evans, the number one running back in the country. There's just no way there's ever correlation to offering <laughs> lower ranked and size guys and having some type of ulterior motive behind it. Uh, they have stated that they're a package deal, like they want to play together in college. A lot of fans of other programs basically think this was strictly a play for Zach Evans, but Nick Saban historically, Brad, is not one to do package deals when one of the prospects isn't yeah. isn't necessarily Alabama material. Huh. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk to the uh, the family of Ishmael's Softshear's exactly. brother. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 was pretty adamant <laughs> about playing with his brother, who's a JUCO guy. Alabama never played into that. They still landed Ishmael Sopcher. 
Yeah, and his brother's in Juco. Yep. Go figure. Uh, a, Trey Sanders' brother, last cycle, I think he was looking for – he kind of fishing for a scholarship offer. He never got one. He walked on at Florida. Alabama overcame that, still landed Sanders. Do, do you remember the Keenan Allen and Zach Maynard drama by any chance? Man, you got to go way back, yeah. Yeah. So Keenan – I mean, just to, just to kind of set the stage for those who don't remember – Keenan Allen, who's now one of the top receivers in the NFL, he was committed to Alabama in the 2010 cycle. Uh, he was actually committed as the top safety in the country, and Alabama was going to give him the choice of what position he wanted to play when he got to campus. But during that cycle, he was a consensus top 10 player, and there truly may have not been a better prospect in America than Keenan Allen was at safety. Well, Keenan Allen's brother... Zach Maynard was a starting quarterback at Buffalo at the time, and Turner Gill left the University of Buffalo for the Kansas job, right? Yep. Yeah, and and Maynard asked for his release after that, so suddenly Keenan Allen and Zach Maynard wanted to play together. Nick Saban met with the family. He basically offered Maynard a preferred walk-on spot, but he never budged on a scholarship offer. So University of California came in. They offered them both. The rest is history. So I will always say, Brad, that if Saban was not willing to offer Zach Maynard, who was already a starting quarterback for a decent team, if he was not willing to do that to keep Keenan Allen, he will never play into the package deal game with anyone. No, but I have a feeling there's a loophole he will play into here in the near future. (laughs) Well, We'll get to that. Let me ask you this, because I think this may happen sometimes as well. Let's say the staff was evaluating offensive linemen, and they're filling out their board, and they're putting these guys sort of in order. Okay, so let's say Damian George is in their second tier of linemen under some of the elite guys, like some of those top guys in the country. So he's on a similar level of we'll put him with like four or five other guys. Would you prioritize him over those others that are sort of in the same area as him just because he's Zach Evans' teammate? No, because you can't really put too much stock into somebody that is also a teammate of the golden age because the higher rank they are the more of a runaround you're going to have to go through over a year two year period to try to catch that goose and then you could end up on a last minute thing on national signing day where you're stuck with nothing and he pulls a clay web and <laughs> then you got still the dollar general lineman but if i will if i legitimately like all four or five of those guys pretty much the same i probably would prioritize him in, in hopes that I can also land the number one running back in the country. And really, Alabama's in a good spot right now to do this. I'm not saying that they did do this because I, I really don't think a lot of times like Nick Saban plays that game. But they can afford a project on the offensive line this cycle. They landed an elite class on the line last year. Like, Evan Neal is game ready from everything we've heard. Like, he, he can step in and play. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't need Damian George to be game ready when he steps on campus. No, and historically under Nick Saban, we've developed a good bit of three stars that ended up being long-term starters. Exactly. They, these guys have a history of evaluating lower-ranked offensive linemen and turning them into at least productive starters or guys that provide productive depth or NFL draft picks. I mean, look, if he's a three-star overall but a five-star at right guard, I am here for it. 
Yeah. What's the loophole you were talking about? So you had, you had back in February, and then you had this week a five-star wide receiver who originally had signed with USC transferred to Texas immediately after National Signing Day. <laughs> then this past week he announced he's transferring back to USC. Brew McCoy, and, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it just sucks that uh, Texas lost another McCoy to something they couldn't control, huh? Mm. Um, so, the loophole is, he's able to be able to transfer twice in a six-month period. It doesn't really matter if he's still eligible immediately or not, which he could be. What I'm getting at is, you don't think Nick Saban, or maybe associates around Nick Saban or the Booster Club, will have recruits commit to Alabama, maybe sign with Alabama, transfer to Clemson, Georgia, Auburn, Oklahoma, and then oh man, I gotta go back home. Y'all, you know, y'all are just terrible. So yeah, I mean, guess this, what playbooks this, he has? Yeah, it does <laughs> open the loophole, like especially if they declare him immediately eligible. Yeah, I mean, you look, know? that playbook uh, it's coming back with him, and yeah. that's about as valuable as you get. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like you know, if you can just go wherever you want initially out of high school, and then and then kind of backtrack before the season or. or fall practice actually starts and still keep your eligibility you can almost get to campus and just fill it out and see if you like living there (laughs) and if you don't hey i can always go back home yeah he's the first one i can remember having a a very wild first uh not even semester at any college Mm -hmm. uh since eddie vanderdose and that whole what what was alabama commitment notre dame sign uh ucla transfer and then you had that quarterback for LSU that went to Indiana and somewhere else. I mean, it's it's rare, but it's always entertaining as hell. Yeah, but the Brew McCoy saga has been this is a first as far as the the transfer going back. Yeah, yeah, going back and forth to the same school. It's it's this is a first in recruiting, and a lot of you can't really say that that much anymore because it has pretty much all been done. Yeah, no, for sure, and don't. Don't be surprised, because I am surprised it hasn't come out yet. Don't be surprised if uh, there's some things in terms of Clay Helton and other phones or illegal contact that may come out here in the near future about all this, too, from what I understand. Um, Which, look, I don't blame Clay if he did, because we know his seat is hotter than Gus's. He's got to do something, so why not risk it all? And if, if, and we'll wrap it up after this, but if Clay Helton is let go, which everybody thinks there's a pretty high Mm -hmm. probability... Uh, they have a highly ranked quarterback who Alabama is in on and who would probably decommit from USC and commit to Alabama almost immediately if something happens to Clay Helton. His name's Bryce Young, probably a name to look out for in the future. For sure. As long as Clemson has their uh, depth covered, we should be good. <laughs> they have their quarterback for this cycle. They, he's only you know the number one quarterback in the country. So uh, This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.